Good morning. Good morning. I, I'm, I'm just going to say it is great to see you today. And I want to tell you that this is, this is one of those Sundays during the year that as a pastor, you're not really sure how it's going to turn out. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, yesterday we were, my wife and I, we were working hard on, on a particular project at home and we, we, were so, we were so wiped out at the end of the day. She said, let's just go grab something to eat. We get home, you know, we're wrapping up and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of ending the day getting ready and I, I, it dawned on me that today was spring ahead. Okay, and I run out into the living room and I said, don't forget, (laughs) even though you don't have to remember anymore because your cell phone remembers for you. Okay, but your coffee maker doesn't. (laughs) Can I be honest? You have to reset the coffee maker so that you have coffee when you get up in the morning. That's the kind of guy I am, okay? I like to set my coffee maker. So anyway, it's great to be with you. Thank you for being here. For those of you that are joining us through Church Online, it's great to worship with you today. We want you to know that we do not take your presence for granted. We're so glad that you are with us. Whether you're at home, maybe you're traveling, you're on the road, uh, but it's great to have you join us. Thank you for being with us. We're going to get into our message today, and I believe that there are people that are here today that this message God has ordained for you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> It took a while, and I'm sure not everybody got it, but it's the truth. I believe that this message today, God has ordained it for some of you that are listening right now that this message is for you. And I'll, we've, we've said it before, we're going to say it a lot, but the idea is that we do not like to wait. Isn't that the truth? Is that the truth? You know what else is the truth? I had the wrong sermon brought up, so there we go. There we go. I'm like, wait a second. That's not the right message. You'll wait. Thank you, Matt. You're very gracious. You're very (laughs) great. Thank you. All right, here we go. Survey. I like surveys. Survey by the, the company Timex. Talk about a company that you don't hear much from anymore. Sorry about that, Timex. Timex. Has time left Timex? I don't know. They did a study, how long before you freak out about something? Okay, some of you immediately, you're already starting to freak out just by me saying that. A car in front of you at a green light, 50 seconds. Just what I talked about last week, you, you, your car's in front, you got to wait through that green light, you are losing your mind, Okay. Just want you to know that. And it's wor- I think it's worse living in a small town than it is a big town. Big town, you expect it. In Marquette, we don't expect that. People talking at the movies. One minute, 52 seconds. Those are patient people. That's awesome. Waiting for someone to quiet down a loud baby. Two minutes and 41 seconds. So there's a little more patience in that situation. <laughs> Late co-workers, three minutes and 54 seconds. When you're not at work, people are, I mean, they're like, they're checking, man. Three minutes and 54 seconds, you're going to start freaking out. This one kind of shocked me a little bit, but then I was like, okay, I get it. 
waiting at a doctor's office before you freak out 32 minutes. <laughs> Everybody that works in a doctor's office, yes, we work, yeah. <laughs> waiting for airport security, a little less than a doctor's office, 28 minutes. Uh, waiting for your spouse to get ready. This one, this is good. This is, this, the state of, the state of marriage may be secure. 21 minutes. I thought that was pretty good. Waiting in line for Starbucks. This one I hear about all the time. I hear about all from my kids. I had to wait so long in line at the drive-thru at Starbucks. I'm like, I buy Folgers, it cost me a fraction, and I set my coffee maker the night before. It works, I'm just saying. Uh, Starbucks, seven minutes, and people are freaking out. Those poor baristas, I feel so bad for them. Uh, a blind date who's late. Okay, you haven't even seen this person. Well, I'm, I'm sure Facebook now, you've probably seen them, but... Waiting on a, a late blind date, 26 minutes. A loud cell phone talker. Okay. <laughs> I got to be really careful here because I am a loud cell phone talker. Okay. <laughs> but I have learned when to turn off my, you know, my speakerphone. Okay. My dad has not learned that yet. Okay, because um, every time I talk to my dad, I got to be careful because he's got that speakerphone on. But a loud cell phone talker before you, you just freak out is two minutes and 25 seconds. Someone who's late to an interview, two minutes and six seconds. So, you know, we wait for some things better than we wait for others. I'm thankful for doctors in my life. We're willing to wait for doctors because they're important to us. So everything else, maybe not so much. But we, we, how we wait makes all the difference in the world. And I want to talk about four ways that we can improve how we wait that are going to impact our spiritual lives. The first one is this. We need to wait prayerfully. You think, duh, we're in church. You know, we're going to talk about you got to pray. I, that's, you know, let's, let's look at this a little closer. When you, when you scroll through social media, you notice that, that there are so many people. I, I, it happened this, this last week um, on one of the, the rare occasions I was scrolling through and I see a face from the days of my youth and it's a guy who's saying, you know, I'm having a really hard time and I would just appreciate a few prayers, you know. And how do people respond? Prayers, you know, prayers. How about the, the praying hands emoji? We, we, we're so impatient, we don't have time to type out the word prayers, okay? We just want to click that praying hands emoji. <laughs> Am I hitting close to home here? I'm really sorry. I didn't mean that. I was talking about someone far away, not someone close by. Um, but we, but we, you know, uh, the, here's my question. Are we really praying, okay? How about the person who's asking for that prayer? Are they really praying? Are we spending effort in our prayer? In Acts chapter 12, King Herod has Peter arrested. Now, we have to understand that this is a really serious thing because 
Herod not only had Jesus' brother James arrested, but he had James executed. And James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. It's a big deal. He's had, him, he's had him executed. Now he arrests Peter. And, and so the, the, the church obviously is extremely concerned about this. Herod is planning on executing Jesus, or uh, Peter rather, in the morning. So what should the church do about this? We read in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So it's the night before the trial. The execution is expected. Peter is chained between guards. There's a team of 16 soldiers that are watching Jesus or watching Peter. And, and what happens is that night, an angel awakens Peter, and his chains fall off. The guards are asleep. The prison doors open, and Peter walks out. And it happens so fast, he wonders if he's dreaming until he finds himself out in the middle of the street, and he's no longer in prison. Peter immediately goes to the home of John Mark because that's where the church is meeting. And that's where the church is spending time in prayer. And they are up all night in earnest prayer for Peter. Barnes' study of the Bible, he said the word earnest, it means fervent. And I want us to think about this for a moment, that even in the middle of the night, the prayers of the church were hot. That's what that word fervent means. It means hot. The church was engaged in fervent, hot prayer in the middle of the night because their, their, their leader, in many ways, the mouthpiece of the church, was under arrest and going to likely be executed, and they could do nothing but wait. So what did they do while they wait? They prayed earnestly. I want you to know this kind of prayer is not easy. It is difficult. Earnest prayer is challenging. You know how I know that? Because as we look at Jesus and the disciples, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he takes them to the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, hey, let's, let's pray for a while. And Jesus goes off a little further and he prays and the Bible says he sweats drops of blood. And he comes back several times. And how does he find them every time he comes back? Sleeping. Jesus is telling them, hey, this is all coming down, guys. This is what's happening. But it is hard to engage in fervent prayer. Matthew 26 tells us a story, verse 41. Jesus said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Look at this. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. That's why fervent prayer is hard. The spirit is willing. God, I'm waiting on you. I'm even going to pray. I'm even going to give this to you. I'm going to pray. But, but it's hard because the spirit is willing to do fervent prayer. But the flesh is weak. It's much harder to actually do it. But when we wait in prayer, God breaks chains and he opens doors. And the Bible says that the doors that God opens, no man can close. That was worth it right there. I'm just saying. 
Number two, wait expectantly. Jesus was leaving the city of Jericho with a big crowd around him, and there's a blind guy sitting by the side of the road that hears the commotion, and he hears the name Jesus being mentioned. His name was Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. I wonder if his friends just called him blind Bart. I don't know, but that, that's, that's really a, a good nickname. I mean, if you have to have a nickname as a blind guy, that's not a bad one. But he's sitting along the roadside and he starts shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I can imagine they're telling him to shut up. He's making a scene. There's a big crowd that's coming by and he's yelling, Son of David, have mercy on me. And they're trying to quiet him down. But Jesus says to his disciples, call this guy over to me. Call him over here. Somebody I'm sure had to go get. If you know any blind people, you often, uh, when, when they go from one place to another, there's a certain amount of assistance that they need. I grew up with a, a blind adult friend, and I would pick her up and, and take her places, and I would have to offer her my arm, and, and we would have to navigate situations. I'm sure that's what they went over, and they grabbed him by the arm, and they said, get up, Bart. It's your lucky day. Jesus is calling for you. Brings him over to Jesus, and here's what Jesus does. Jesus asks him a question, Mark chapter 10, verse 51. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Jackpot. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Blind Bartimaeus shouts, those shouts on the side of the road got him noticed as Jesus walked by. Let me ask you this question. What are you expecting from God? What are you expecting? Now, I can read some of your minds right now. I don't expect anything. I'll just take whatever he gives me. We try to humble play it or something like that. You know what I'm saying? That would be rude for me to actually expect. We teach our kids, don't expect anything. Don't we? Come on, I, you guys look at me like I, you don't do this. I know you do this. We tell our kids, now don't expect anything. You shouldn't, because you're going to get disappointed or we don't want them to be rude. We don't want them to come across wrong. But what are you expecting from God? Blind Bartimaeus, put it out there. I want to see. That's what I'm expecting. What are you expecting? You see, we don't want to sound like we're greedy. We don't, we don't want to sound like we're expecting things. But wanting and expecting are two different things. They're different. What are you expecting from God? Psalm 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 3. In the morning, Lord... You hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. We need to expect when we give it to God, when we bring it to him, he hears our voice. We should expect that he will hear and he will answer us. What are you expecting? Gil, in his interpretation of the Bible, that word expect, it means to look up as from a watchtower to see if help is coming, to scan the horizon. Are you expecting? I didn't think of this until this moment, but let me tell you 
in our culture today, expecting, okay? Is it a brown truck or is it a white truck? Oh, they're in the neighborhood. They're in the neighborhood. I, I remember it was, it was 30, more than 30 years ago. It was the first thing I ever ordered uh, where I didn't buy it face to face. When I, when I bought my guitar, I bought it from, uh, from Redding, California from a music store. And I remember every, checking every day. I was sitting on the couch looking out the window up the street and I can see the UPS truck coming. And I'm like, it's here. It's here. My wife did that yesterday because the knobs for the kitchen cabinets were here. Oh, they're here. They're here. Oh, it's, that's expecting. That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's filled with a sense of hope and faith and confidence. My precious daughter-in-law, Amy, is expecting. Baby number two. It is going to be wild at the Taylor house. I'm just telling you right now. But she's already a mom. What are you expecting? Something different this time? She's expecting. She's pregnant now. But what is she expecting? She's looking forward to not being pregnant anymore. She's waiting for the arrival of baby boy number two in the Taylor house. As Levi calls him, Chips. That's what his name is going to be. But they're hopeful. They're filled with faith that God has a plan for this child. That birth is part of that process. So I don't have to keep being pregnant any longer. I'm going to believe that God is going to do great things. I'm confident that eventually it, it leads to birth and birth leads to growth and development. And there's a plan and we're going to move forward. I'm expecting something. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait on him. God acts on behalf of those who wait on him, and we need to wait expectantly, believing that God will move. Waiting alludes to adhering. Amy's not just waiting, she's going to the doctor. She's taking vitamins, prenatal vitamins. She is resting as much as she can with a two and a half year old in the house. She's doing all the things that she needs to do. It, it alludes to that idea that, that, that she is adhering to the things that she should be doing. The Bible says that we can't imagine how God acts on our behalf. But if we don't do what we can do, are we actually expecting God to do anything? If we don't do what we're supposed to do first. Blind Bartimaeus did everything that he could and all that he could do was shout. Today, what are you doing that demonstrates that you are expecting God to move while you're waiting? It's getting quiet in here, Madison. Number three, wait patiently. Oh, when is this going to end? You got to wait patiently. The only thing worse than waiting 
is waiting patiently. <laughs> let, me, let, me prove, let me prove this to you, okay? If we were to set out on a trip, okay? If we got in the car and we're going to Minneapolis and it's six hours, okay? Three hours in that six-hour trip is, is not that bad, Okay? But three hours in a three-hour and 15-minute trip is awful. It's all in the approach. When you know you've got to wait six hours and you, you, you get to three, it's like, I'm still waiting. It's no big deal. I'm just, I'm just waiting. But when it's less of a distance, it's a lot harder. John chapter 5, Jesus visits the pool of the Bethesda. There's a, a, a paralyzed uh, man there, and, and all the blind, all the lame, all the paralyzed, they, they, they gather around this. It, it would be like a big fountain, sort of. And I don't know how they figured this out, but the angel would come and stir the water, and the first person into the water would be healed. And so this guy is there waiting, and Jesus finds this guy. He has been waiting there 38 years. 38 years. He has been an invalid. He's been waiting. And Jesus sort of interviews him and asks him, do you want to get well? John chapter 5, verse 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone goes down ahead of me. Jesus speaks over the man. And he said, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. 38 years, no ability, no one uh, to, to help him, and he continues to wait. He continues to to wait. But I want you to know something. You might feel like you've been waiting a long time, but God can speak over you and over your situation no matter how long you have been waiting. Philippians 4 verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. What's he saying? Wait patiently. Do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean that it's automatically going to get better. It means his peace will be on you while you are waiting. It doesn't say you'll stop waiting. It doesn't say the answer will be there today. It means that he is going to give you peace while you wait. Man, this is good. I'm sorry. Number four. Oh, and by, and by the way, before I go to number four, we don't have to be impatient. We don't have to be anxious. <laughs> Isaiah 40, we've read it a few times lately. Verse 31 they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God strengthens us while we wait. Do you know that waiting is the only place that God can change some of the things that he desires to change in your life? And he needs you to wait so that the changes can come. That 
Man, thank you, Lord, for that. He wants to renew our strength, so we will wait. Number four, we need to wait confidently. The line between confidence and overconfidence is a very fine line. Overconfidence feels like arrogance. A lack of confidence feels like weakness. But confidence on God is dependence. It's the realization that we can't do it ourselves, but he can. I love Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Confidence is when we trust God, not us. We're not going to lean on our understanding. We are going to depend on him. Psalm 27 verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I'm confident. I, God, I am confident that while I am alive, the things that I have been waiting on you for, they will happen. They will take place. I'm confident in you. In danger times of danger and difficulty, God, I'm confident. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Man, that's good encouragement for us. I will not fear evil because you're with me, God. I won't give in to despair. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to throw in the towel. Why? Because I'm confident. I trust in you alone. Micah 7, 7, but as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Lamentations 3, 5. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. That word hope, it means wait. The one who waits. God is good to those who wait. Isaiah 30, verse 18, blessed are all who wait for him. We can be confident in our waiting. So let me close with this as the team comes, and we're going to close with a song are you really waiting on God or are you just waiting around? Let me say that again. Are you waiting on God or are you just waiting around? Sometimes what we think is waiting on God is just waiting around. Some of you you're already thinking to yourself, I ain't waiting for anybody. I'm going to do this myself. I'm odd. You guys go ahead and wait. I'm, I'm moving forward. For some, we need to ask ourselves, is our waiting just look like defeat? But let's say you're waiting on the Lord for the salvation of a loved one. How do you respond? Well, I wish those heathens would just finally come to Jesus or do you say as for me and my house we will serve the Lord 
And God is not slow as some believe slowness to be, not wanting any to come uh, to perish, but that all would come to repentance. You see, there's a difference in how we speak over our waiting. Maybe you're waiting for healing. And your, your response is, I'm just sick of being sick. I'm tired of being tired. And there's an anger about it, an impatience about it. Or do you say, by his wounds, I have been healed. And you are the God that heals all of my diseases. How do you address your sickness? If you're waiting on God for guidance, what do you say? You know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. Or do you say to yourself and to God, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to lean on you, Lord. You make my path straight. Your word says if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all, and he will give it to them without finding fault in them. Maybe you're waiting on God for your marriage. I wish my spouse would change. I am so sick and tired of waiting around for him or her. Or do you say, he who finds a wife finds a good thing? Do you say, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church? Do you say, wives respect your husbands? If you're waiting on God for a wayward child, what are you saying? I can't wait for my kids to get out of the house. I'm so angry. They don't listen to what I say. They don't do what I ask them to do. Or do you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It says, raise up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Do you, do you say, God, don't let me exasperate my children, but let me love them, let me serve them. If you're waiting on God to provide for your needs. Do you say, God, you never help me. You're never on time. You don't give me what I need. Or do you say, I will learn to be content whatever my lot. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. God, I know that you know what I need even before I ask it. Or if you're waiting on God for finances, do you say, God, do you not realize that I need money? Or do you say, my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? How are you waiting? Or are you just waiting around? I don't understand the unction of the Holy Spirit, but it's here today. And if you've been waiting, or if you've been waiting around, and you realize God's saying, I need you to wait like this, here's how you're going to get through that season of waiting. The team is going to lead us. I'm just going to open this altar. If you feel that you want to come and lay that waiting down, God, I've been waiting, but I, I've been carrying it. I'm just going to lay that waiting down and let you do it. I'm going to give it to you. If that's 
you today. Let's just stand as they lead us. If that's you, I want you to step out and come as they lead us. And then at the close of that song, I'm just going to come back and pray a prayer of dedication over us. But you come, if that's you, if God is speaking to you today. Father, I believe, Lord, that there are those that have been waiting and the waiting is a burden. And it's a burden that they have carried themselves. And today, I believe that you desire to lighten that burden, to take that burden upon yourself. And I pray that even now, Lord, that we will lay that heaviness, that burden at your feet and realize that Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And we can't do that when we're holding that heavy burden of waiting. So Father, I pray that you'll begin to strengthen in the midst of waiting. God, I pray that we will be able to wait with a sense of confidence, with a sense of expectation, but that we will also pray fervently, God, that there'll be some heat to our prayers, but that we will walk away from this altar and not pick that burden up and take it with us. Father, I pray your blessing over these today that have said, you know what, I'm, I'm waiting. God, I need you. God, I, I give it to you. I give you this burden. Father, I thank you that there is strength in the waiting. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm so glad that you have come today. I pray God's blessing on you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Please hang around for a cup of coffee. Fellowship with people. Let them know that you're glad to see them. God bless you. Have a great day.